Hello there, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the program, the phone lines are open. We are moving beyond the school shooting, though. Uh, We have to because, well, people are outraged, and I don't blame people for being outraged, but it's, it's not leading to constructive phone calls. Put it to you that way. I want to talk about uh, the these political the, the public school uprisings that are happening on school boards. Before we get there, though, I really this this honestly, in in the grand scheme of things, the the, the story I got to talk about here is more important than that, and so I'm going to do this first. Sequoia Capital is one of those big groups out there, financial groups. Uh, they're they're involved in in a lot of tech stuff, among other things. And they're saying the good times are coming to an end. Our venture capital firm. This is from Bloomberg. Calling the current environment a crucible moment, Sequoia Capital warned that the good times are not only over, there's no indication when they'll return. In a Zoom call earlier this month with the founders of its approximately 250 portfolio companies, the venture firm reviewed a 50-page presentation titled Adapting to Endure. Sequoia laid out the case for a long and drawn-out recession and instructed founders to do the cut exercise immediately if they haven't already done so by examining ways to conserve cash through eliminating or scaling back projects, R&D, marketing, or other expenses. It doesn't mean you have to pull the trigger but that you're ready to do it in the next 30 days if needed. Menlo Park, California-based Sequoia wrote in the presentation. The information earlier reported the presentation. An increasing number of late-stage private tech companies, the same ones that were bankrolled by investors to grow at all costs, are refocusing on profit. Swedish buy-now-pay-later company Klarna Bank AB and Istanbul-based rapid delivery startups Gitter, both backed by Sequoia, are among businesses that have laid off hundreds of people. Sequoia, which also weighed in on the 2020 dip with its Black Swan memo and the RIP Good Times in 2008 memo, called out pre-IPO startups as being particularly vulnerable if they weren't focused on profits. On Tuesday, rapid grocery delivery app Gorilla Technologies announced it was cutting 50% of its global office staff for around 300 workers. Online healthcare provider Cry International, valued at $2 billion last year, said it would slash 10% of its 1,000-strong workforce. Sequoia also took a shot at hedge funds that have been targeting private investments who are now tending to wounds in their public portfolios, which have been hit hard. Tiger Global's flagship hedge fund recently posted a 15% decline in April extending its loss for the year to 44%. SoftBank Group reported record annual loss in its Vision Fund unit after a sell-off in tech shares plummeted the value of the companies, including Uber Technologies and Didi Global. Not everyone is pessimistic about the future, but these guys are. Let me tell you who else seems a little bit pessimistic about the future. This also from Bloomberg, Apple is planning to keep iPhone production flat in 2020, a conservative stance as the year turns increasingly challenging. 
The company is asking suppliers to assemble 220 million iPhones, about the same as last year, according to people familiar with the project, who asked not to be named as they're not public. Market forecasts have hovered closer to 240 million units, driven by an expected major update to the iPhone, but the mobile industry's gotten off to a difficult start this year. The worst inflation in decades, a war in Ukraine, and supply chain turmoil all threatened to weigh on sales in 2022. Strategic Analytics has predicted the overall smartphone shipments will contract as much as 2%. Then there's this. From Wall Street Journal, new home sales in April see biggest monthly drop since 2013. Sales fell 16.6% last month. Rising mortgage interest rates have made home ownership more expensive for buyers. The average rate on a 30-year fix was 5.25% last week, up from 3.1% at the start of the year. The 16.6% decline was the biggest monthly drop in home sales since 2013. The entry-level consumer, which is the largest buyer group, is moving to the sidelines, says Margaret Whelan, chief executive of Whelan Advisory, a boutique investment bank for the housing industry. New home sales, which make up more than 10% of all U.S. home sales, are tracked when contracts are signed, while existing home sales are tracked when contracts are closed. That makes new home sales a leading indicator of where the market is headed. I'm very uh, certain it's going to continue, said John Burns, the CEO of John Burns Real Estate Consulting, referring to the declining numbers of new home sales. Economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal had expected a 1.7% monthly decline. New home sales are volatile and often subject to revision, but their drop last month followed other signs that record high home prices, limited inventory, and rising mortgage rates are cooling the market. Existing home sales have fallen for three straight months. Now, the last one. A lot of news stories I'm throwing at you, but you got to understand the context of all these things. The U.S. economic contraction to start the year was worse than expected as weak business and private investment failed to offset strong consumer spending, the Commerce Department reported Thursday. This morning. First quarter gross domestic product declined at a 1.5% annual rate, according to the second estimate from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. This was worse than the 1.3% Dow Jones estimate and a write-down from the initially reported 1.4%. Downward revisions for both private inventory and residential investment offset an upward change in consumer spending. A swelling trade deficit also subtracted from the GDP total. The pullback in GDP represented the worst quarter since the pandemic-scarred quarter two of 2020 in which the U.S. fell into a recession spurred by a government-imposed economic shutdown to battle COVID-19. GDP plummeted 31.2% in that quarter. Economists largely expect the U.S. to rebound in the second quarter as some of the factors holding back growth early in the year subside. A surge in the Omicron variant has slowed activity. The Russian attack in Ukraine aggravated supply chain issues. CNBC's rapid update survey shows a median expectation of 3.3% growth in the second quarter. The Atlanta Federal Reserve says it's going to be a 1.8% growth, not decline. We're headed to economically unstable times. We're headed to economically unstable times. All of these new stories that I am presenting to you are designed to paint the picture 
that we got problems. We have problems economically that Washington makes worse. We have problems economically that the private sector is very much aware of at this point. And we have problems economically that a lot of people are putting their head in the sand about. We still very much in most sectors of the economy have a job shortage situation where they can't find enough labor. I'm afraid what's about to start happening is we're going to have a whole lot of people flip. And those people are going to be out of work in big tech sectors and professional jobs, and they may not want to go into other sectors of the economy, but they may have to. We're starting to uh, have these problems. And they're problems you need to be mindful of. They're problems where if you're not saving, you probably do need to start saving. They're also, by the way, a variant on a problem in that in the big tech sectors, we're probably going to start seeing layoffs. But in a lot of sectors in the economy, they're still short of workers. There's a there's a restaurant in Atlanta. I've, I've not been to this restaurant. I've wanted to go to this restaurant. Every time I go by this restaurant, the crowd is so massive and the parking so limited that I don't go. It's called Buttermilk Cafe. It's a breakfast spot in, in on Roswell Road in Atlanta. I think it's a blue house. The food's supposed to be incredible. I was reading uh, the Atlanta Business Chronicle that uh, they've rebounded from COVID. Their sales have been up, but now they're having a, just a dickens of a time trying to find a workforce. They've had a, a team with them for a very long time. They're having to to get some people in. They're, they're having hiring problems. The restaurant industry in particular in this country is in shambles in a lot of places because there are flat out uh, no people out there working. In the service industry, in the hospitality industry, in the hotel industry, I, I, I've, I've stayed at a hotel Monday and Tuesday night in Atlanta that I've never stayed at before. I've been wanting to stay there. Um, frankly, it's a little cheaper than the hotel I normally stay at, and it was in a different part of town and figured I'd give it a shot. And it was, it was perfectly fine, perfectly fine hotel. Comfortable rooms, very nice Marriott Hotel, and they were struggling with staff. They were absolutely struggling with staff. They had one, uh, you, you had to do valet. You, you didn't have a choice given the parking situation. You had to use the valet, but they only had one valet. People were waiting a very long time for their vehicles. They were struggling with restaurant staff. And there are a couple of restaurants tied into the same building where this hotel was. And the, uh, the businesses there were struggling as well. They were really struggling. Meanwhile, you've got in, in some sectors of the economy, layoffs are happening, and, and that's kind of the forward advance indicator in the tech sector where we've had this bubble building between housing and technology, and they're all interrelated. And a lot of them, these tech companies, Zillow and the like, Redfin, they're, they're buying houses. They're converting people who want a house into permanent tenancy. That's unstable. That's not sustainable. That's going to crash the American dream. and The whole thing is going to collapse on us. The bubble is going to burst. It feels very much like it's starting to burst. Now, I, I've, I've told you all this story before. I'm not in, by any way, shape, or, or means, I am not in a financial position to buy land or like a beach house in Hilton Head. I'm, we're going to Hilton Head next week. Um, 
just just take a few days and rest finally, take a real vacation with my family for my birthday. And I've always wanted a house on the beach in Hilton Head. Now, I don't have the, the money to buy a house. It's talking millions of dollars to buy a house on the beach. But I, I always look because, you know, one day I hope if this show goes well, I'll be in a position to be able to do that. What I found remarkable is that uh, up until COVID, there were plenty of houses available and they were all just a few million dollars, still more than I could ever afford. But when COVID happened, they all got bought up. Some of them are starting to come on for resale again two years later, and they'll now double the price they were two years ago. And they're not selling. They're not selling. You're starting to have houses expensive houses sit on the market. Some are being bought and just converted into rental properties um, by homeowners who are using them as an investment. But uh, it's interesting. Or or up in North Georgia in the mountains where I've also been looking, Clayton, Georgia is this beautiful area in North Georgia. There's this lake up there called Lake Burton. It's one of the highest lakes in the state. Man-made, beautiful area up in the mountains. There used to be just dozens and dozens and dozens of houses for sale right around that lake. They're all gone now. They're all snapped up, except they're starting to come back at inflated prices and people can't sell them. What had been a place where you couldn't find a house, now suddenly there are houses starting to crop up and you can't, people are trying to get out of their loans as interest rates come up. And you can't, people, they're not selling them. This reminds me very much of 2008. This reminds me of the housing situation in 2008 where a lot of homes started coming out of the market all of a sudden that had been snapped up earlier and now they can't sell them. And to the extent they're trying to sell them, they're selling them at a loss. It's becoming a problem. It's becoming a red flag. It's becoming a real issue. It is becoming uh, unstable in the marketplace. So all I'm doing is I'm trying to raise the red flag for you guys who are listeners that when Apple is not increasing the amount of iPhones that it intends to supply to the market, when the major tech venture capital firms are telling their uh, owned companies, prepare for cutbacks, prepare to save money, prepare to focus on profits instead of growth, they see something coming and we should be paying attention to what they're seeing and we should be making our own plans to be as fiscally responsible and conservative in our spending as we possibly can right now. The markets and the economy are about to tank. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, You can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it, and I settled on SoFi, 
and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, you want to grow your business, reach out to First Liberty and see if they can help you if you need a big deal. About a million dollars or more, they're willing to help you with. A lot of banks are saying no, given the economic environment, but First Liberty makes their own decisions. FirstLibertyGA.com. Um, I, I, I got sad news, and I'm sorry. There's just, I, I got to deliver it to you. Joe Garcia has had a fatal heart attack and died. You don't know who Joe Garcia is, but you do. He's the husband of Irma Garcia. And Irma Garcia is the teacher who threw herself at the shooter in Uvalde, Texas. She threw herself at the shooter to protect the kids in her classroom, and she died. Her husband has now had a fatal heart attack. They were married for 24 years. They have four children. Mm. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. All right. Sorry to have to give you bad news. Um, let's go to the phones. Kai, I, I, I hate to jump from bad news to your call, but it's the nature of the day with the news headlines. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's okay, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, man. You got on the air one day, read Romans 1, uh, before you did an LGBT story, and uh, you're the only talk radio show I was not tuned into from now on till I'm, till I'm dead as far as I'm concerned, man. Appreciate I it. respect you and your message of boldness for sure, man. Um, I just wanted to make a comment, I guess, um, just relevant to you, especially because I know you're in Georgia. Uh, you know, my home is up 7% month over month because we have a fantastic administration. Uh, it's running things very well from our capital uh, down in Atlanta. And we've got people moving from all over the country, California, New York, more than anything else. Uh, who are paying sky-high prices for our houses, and they just kind of keep going up uh, here because we're doing so, so well. And it's just astonishing to me that we would even consider changing from an administration that led us through, you know, what was definitely one of the strangest economic times, especially in recent history, uh, into a booming economy, you know, the new Hollywood, the new center of you know, manufacturing pouring in every single day to the furthest left Democrat on any ticket in the entire country right. and thinking that we're going to continue to have success. Look, you're absolutely right. Um, nationally and then, you know, economically, I noticed the Cook Political Report is getting attacked by the wokes today for, of all things, moving Georgia's gubernatorial race from a toss-up to a leans Republican. Uh, they're actually getting attacked for having moved it to leans Republican uh, with Brian Kemp's uh, renomination in the in the primary. It's 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 crazy. Uh, that people would want to go in that direction. And then to, to the point nationally, Kai, the the, uh, the presidential administration right now with their policies, they were warned by their own side. They were warned by Larry Summers. They were warned by, warned by other Democrats. But Biden has so many Elizabeth Warren acolytes within his administration. It was one of the things he did to try to build a united ticket was he brought in a lot of staff who worked for or around Elizabeth Warren. And in so doing, uh, they have embraced a lot of policies based on modern monetary theory, which doesn't work. 
Um, it's just, it's, it's so, so, so sad uh, to see this nation just collapse economically under the arrogance of an administration who decided to that to embrace an economic policy that every economist in the history of economics would tell you wouldn't work, but they wanted to try something new and something untested and something theoretical. It's it's just absolutely bizarre. And at least in Georgia, it looks like the the voters will reelect Brian Kemp, who by the way leads every poll against Stacey Abrams, even without the um, even without the Purdue people. Many Purdue people are coming out and saying, "We'll never vote for that guy." Well, stay home. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the country. I, I don't subscribe to any physical newspaper. Now, I subscribe to newspapers because I, I got to do show prep for the show. So I subscribe to a ton of, of publications from uh, the Epoch Times to the New York Times, from the Washington Examiner to the Washington Post, uh, to Bloomberg, to the Wall Street Journal. Um, Charlie, my producer sometimes complains about all the subscriptions, but you know, you used to get a lot of this news content for free and now everything's behind a, a paywall. And, and my job is to keep you guys up to speed with the news of the day. And, and part of that is I've got to subscribe to these publications to get the news. There is one physical newspaper and I love physical newspapers. I, I don't, I, if I could get a, a wall street journal that showed up in the mornings at my house, I would do that. I used to be able to. When I was a, a lawyer and, and really just starting out in, in uh, TV and blogging, I, I get the Wall Street Journal and it'd show up every morning at the house. Now it shows up in the evening uh, in the mail, and I don't like that. I would love to have a daily credible paper delivered, but such a product doesn't exist in my area. Um, you know, and, and frankly, honestly, uh, so the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, we all laugh about the, the editorial biases being of the left, but it's actually a really solid paper. It is very well laid out, very well designed, um, very nicely done, and, and the news stories themselves are, take out the editorial biases of the editorial page, the news stories, it's, it's actually a great paper. Um, and, but I live outside the publication zone, and, and my local paper is a McClatchy paper. I used to write for it. Uh, the craziest thing is I used to write for this newspaper, a free column. I wrote it for seven years. I never charged them a penny. And then one day they could, they told me I couldn't write my column anymore, uh, because they didn't pay me. And I said, well, pay me. And they said, okay, we'll pay you. And then I started getting someone else's paycheck and not my paycheck. I never actually got my paycheck. And then they went bankrupt and didn't want to pay me. And I was fine. Don't pay me. And then they stopped printing the column. It was quite bizarre. Uh, terribly, McClatchy just drove their newspapers into the ground. But I get one newspaper. It is delivered weekly in the mail. It is the Monroe County Reporter. It is newspaper of the county next to mine. I know the proprietor of the newspaper. He is a conservative, and the newspaper has a fantastic uh, editorial bit to give you a sense of the paper. And by the way, the paper does real hard news, does actual real hard news stories. But uh, the, the masthead of the paper now has a Department of Homeland Security seal and underneath it says, warning, this newspaper has not been certified by President Biden's Disinformation Governance Board. Tells you everything you need to know about how awesome this newspaper is and the publisher. 
just good people. Uh, on, on the top of uh, this week's paper, it comes out once a week. And on the top of the newspaper, the massive, the, the above the fold story, that's the most important story. Here's the headline. New conservative majority on board of elections. Voters gave a new conservative majority control of the Monroe County Board of Education on Tuesday. I hope to make some very magnificent changes in the future, said Greg Head upon his re-election to the school board. Thank you to the voters. Head has fought a sometimes losing battle against masking and COVID shutdowns in his first year on the board. The Board of Education has long had a majority with deep roots and a public education system with Democrat leanings. That changed on Tuesday. Head narrowly uh, re-elected over the parent-teacher organization president. Robert Jenkins ran as a conservative and easily beat a Bibb County teacher. The new majority takes place in January 2023. We're seeing this around the country. It's not just in middle Georgia. And in a county that leans to the right, we're seeing it in counties that lean to the left as well around the country. We're seeing it in, in Arkansas in, in the Republican primaries. The parents have had enough. Uh, every major, every I should say every major, every period, no, no qualification with major, every Republican legislator in the Arkansas legislature who opposes school choice got defeated. In Georgia... Conservative school choice advocates won in races. There's one Sherry Gilligan. Sherry Gilligan is in a runoff. Sherry Gilligan uh, in a runoff uh, by someone who won't support school choice, will say they support school choice, but will never defy the uh, anti-school choice leadership. Uh, Sherry Gilligan has been a longtime advocate of school choice. And so I'm I'm hoping that uh, some national school choice groups can come in and help her. But nationally, parents are fed up with the wokes. They're fed up with critical theory. They're fed up with uh, the the uh, transgender ideology being advanced in schools surreptitiously by, by educators who go on TikTok and brag about how they're lying to the parents. They're fed up with all of it. They are really fed up with schools giving up on educating our kids and instead indoctrinating our kids. Now, I have to say this. There are a lot of good schools. There are a lot of good teachers, and a lot of them give, get a bad rap. But there are really good teachers who care greatly. They care tremendously for the education of their children. In Uvalde, Texas, one teacher cared so much she threw herself at a gunman to save her kids. They care. But there's a young generation of teachers coming up who are political activists who have given up, many of them, by the way, who themselves didn't go to public school, went to private school. They don't really care so much about the education as about teaching tolerance and, and indoctrinating. And, and they, to, they tie tolerance to the acceptance of, of sexuality choices and things that perhaps parents should be involved in. They, they keep it quiet. They cover it up. They don't want the parents to know. And, and the parents are furious. Parents around this country are enraged. Their kids had to stay in masks. Many of them fell behind because of remote learning and, and more and more and more. They're just furious. And I just, it's, it, 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 it's mind-numbing to me 
that parents for so long were told these things were happening and are so busy in their lives and their work, many of them just kind of dismissed it. And then during COVID, when the kids were remote learning at home and the parents were stuck at home and the parents started paying attention, they started realizing, oh my gosh, all these horror stories we've heard, they're in our school too. And they are furious. They are furious. And in being furious, they've decided to take action. And they've decided to take action democratically, not violently, as the National School Board Association accused them. They weren't domestic terrorists. They weren't white nationalists. They weren't showing up in people's houses to cause violence. Some showed up and protested, which I oppose. But what they did is they showed up, they qualified as as uh, people to be candidates for office, and they ran for office, and they won. They went door to door. They knocked on doors. They told people, I We'll stop the nonsense in our kids' schools. You are all aware of what's been going on. You've seen it for yourself on the Zoom calls. In some cases, they didn't see it because they were so poor they didn't even have access to the devices. They didn't have access to the Internet, and their kids fell far behind, and the school systems did nothing to help in some cases. They were told, stay home, stay isolated, stay away from the virus, and they were having to take their kids to places with other kids and parents who might have COVID so that their kids would have access to computers because they were too poor and didn't have them in their homes. And they're furious. And a lot of black parents in the South who have traditionally voted Democrat started voting Republican. And they may actually go back to voting Democrat. But for now, they're like, you know what? It can't, they can't, the Republicans can't be worse than what we have. So let's vote for them. The conservatives can't be worse than the progressives. So let's vote for them. And they may get in there and realize they see meaningful change over the next few years. And they decide, you know what? I think I'm a conservative now. And you may have this hold as, as the, these rich white progressives move to the left, you may have these black and Hispanic voters move to the right. In fact, we're seeing that demographically as the Democratic Party is more and more tied to the interests and views and thinking and ideas of rich white people, minority voters are moving out of the Democratic Party and headed towards the GOP. The GOP... is more open and tolerant of minority working class voters than the Democrats are who claim to want them, but then ignores their views and values. Hispanic voters in this country are pretty conservative. Think about how the left right now is ridiculing people who offer thoughts and prayers for Uvalde, Texas. Think about all of the ridicule and contempt of white progressives towards those who offer thoughts and prayers. This is from the Wall Street Journal. More than a 1,000 people from Uvalde, Texas, this grieving city, leaned into their faith Wednesday. They gathered to listen to pastors offer messages of strength and salvation 30 hours after a man shot and killed 19 children and two teachers. God is here with us tonight. Pastor Tony Grubin of Baptist Temple Church told the people gathered at Uvalde County Fairplex, God still loves you, and God still loves those little children. 
Community members packed the stands, spilled into the aisles, and stood on the dirt rodeo floor where the ministers preached from a stage under flags of Texas and the United States. White cowboy hats dotted the audience along with scores of maroon t-shirts that said Uvalde Coyotes, the high school mascot. A phalanx of police officers stood stone-faced watching the crowd and scores of journalists from around the world aimed their cameras and beamed the scene around the globe. Earlier in the day, crowds gathered on the lawn in the town square in front of the county courthouse, urging passerbyers not to forget the dead. They leaned into their faith. They held a massive prayer vigil. And meanwhile, white progressives are ridiculing people for offering their thoughts and prayers. That's exactly what the people of Uvalde, Texas did. There's a big disconnect in this country now between middle class and blue collar workers and rich white people. And it's driving those middle class and working class black and Hispanic voters and, and Southeast Asian voters into the GOP. Uh, there's a number of polls that have come out in Georgia, Brian Kemp against Stacey Abrams, where Hispanic and Southeast Asian voters are majority of them moving to Brian Kemp. Why? Because it was Stacey Abrams who led the boycott for Major League Baseball. The, the PolitiFact is saying that's not true, but what they refuse to point out is that Stacey Abrams' original op-ed in the, in the USA Today made it very clear that uh, she was okay with these companies boycotting Georgia, uh, largely suggesting that they should. And then when there was outrage over it, USA Today let her edit her op-ed and take that line out. So PolitiFact says, no, she didn't. Uh, yes, she originally did. They allowed her to stealth edit it. And those Southeast Asian and Hispanic businesses in the I-75 corridor in Cobb County, Georgia, where the Braves TP is, where they play, they're voting for Brian Kemp because Abrams cost them tens of millions of dollars in business. And these other parents are voting Republican and local school boards because they saw what progressives were doing to them and their kids during COVID. A parental revolution has come. The left always thinks these revolutions come and works in their favor. This one is not. It's coming for them. It's working against them and good riddance to them. You know, I, I, by the way, I, I gotta, I gotta confess something. I didn't know this was happening. I, I, I genuinely, I truly, I, I didn't know it was happening. I only recently discovered it. So, you know, I use the phrase Karen. It, it's become ubiquitous in America today, Karen, to, to talk about the uppity uh, white progressive women and, and their bossiness towards everyone else. And they're referred to as Karens. And I, I need you all to know that I have, apparently, I've been getting a direct message on Instagram for a year now from some woman named Karen. And she is deeply enraged that I use the phrase Karen. And she wants me to stop using the phrase Karen to describe rich white women who boss people around and tell them what to do and stick their nose in other people's business. And, and she wants me to know that it's unprofessional of me to use the word Karen to describe people as deeply offensive to her, that, that I would be as offended if my wife were named Karen instead of Christy, and I should be thinking about that. And I'm very sorry. I only just discovered I've got about 2,000 back 
messages in Instagram of people whose messages I haven't checked. And I'm just, I go through occasionally and see if I can find them. And this woman has been yelling at me for a year, Karen telling me not to use the phrase Karen to describe women who yell at people and tell them how to live their lives and what to do. And I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I only just saw your message, Karen. I'm very sorry. I feel like I should send you an Eden Pure Thunderstorm and clear the air with you. You know, if you get an Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you can clear the air in your house. It eliminates odors. It actually eliminates odors. Now, I know some people, they just get the essential oils. My wife on occasion. They get the essential oils. They mask the odors in the house. But you know, you don't have to mask the odors. You can get rid of the odors, the pet odors, the smoky odors, the fry odors in the kitchen. That's what I use mine for mostly. Or the hotel room odors. That's when I really use mine. I keep it in the suitcase. There's a, if there's a stinky, musty odor in a hotel room or a rental car, I can plug it in with a USB lighter in the car. I can plug it or a USB cord if it has a USB plug in the car, or I can just plug it into the wall in the hotel room and it eliminates the odors. You know, it's also an air purifier, so it gets rid of the, the pollen and the dust and the germs that are floating in the air. You just wipe it out. You don't even have to get a filter subscription. And you can get three of them for less than $200. One for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, your rental house, your cabin, wherever. You go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put Eric3 in. Now, I saw an email from someone saying, you know, if you go to EdenPure.com, it doesn't do that. You should tell people that. I've specifically said the website is EdenPureDeals.com. Never told you to go to a different website. That's on you, not me. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. And on the website, you'll see this count code box. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You do that, you get three of these for less than $200. You can eliminate odors, not just mask them, and also clean the air. So I'm seeing several emails from people who misheard something I said uh, that I'm telling people who voted for David Perdue in Georgia they need to stay home and not vote for Brian Kemp. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you that there are David Perdue supporters in Georgia already coming out and saying they will not vote for Brian Kemp. They would rather vote for Stacey Abrams or stay home. And I'm telling them, I don't care. You don't matter. Those people who are digging their heels in saying, I will never, ever vote for Brian Kemp. You don't matter. How do I know this? Because Brian Kemp is five and a half points ahead in the polling average against Stacey Abrams with you people already saying you'll never vote for him. So you don't matter. And I want you to understand that you don't matter. Uh, you're relevant and meaningless and you can go stomp your heels and have your temper tantrum somewhere. We'd love to have you vote for Brian Kemp. We would, but you're not going to stop him from getting reelected. Just need you to know that. Now, I need y'all to hear this clip from Texas. One more thing I forgot to mention that that I want to clear up that came out early on. It was reported that a school district police officer confronted the suspect that was making entry. Not accurate. He walked in unrestructed initially. So from the grandmother's house, to the bar ditch, to the school, into the school, he was not confronted by anybody. My goodness. And then the police officers tased and arrested parents trying to get into the school to stop him. Uh, if you want to receive my opening monologue, text DATA to 33777. Click on the bottom link. I'll send you text DATA to 33777. The amount of screw-ups that could have prevented this just unbelievable, outrageous. We'll hopefully have something pleasant to talk about tomorrow.